Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show that sees life through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Because in Jeff's World, we blow minds and large hearts and leave no man or child behind. And now, here's your host, Chief Executive Optimist and President of these inspired states of mind, Jeff Stein. Yeah, so there we were. Uh, Erica Fairston, Jeff Hendrick, myself, Executive Brian, Internet Georgette, wrapping up another satisfying episode of Jeff's World, processing it for your listening pleasure and thinking, hey, I'm sure there's nothing in the news that just broke that would you know, change the context of today's discussion. Well, yeah, not so much. Um, if you're not, if you haven't seen the news, you will. There was a shooting, and uh, so here's another uh, Jeff's World with an amendment added. We're going to do a little time warp and give you this in the beginning and then resume the show in a second. But um, to catch up on what's going on, I've got uh, my co-host Erica Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick on the phone line. Say hi, you two. Hello, you two. Hi. <laughs> so they'll be chiming in from the phone because, as, you, as I said, we kind of completed the show, and then I got them back on the phone so we could talk about this. Um, Representative Steve Scalise of Louisiana, Republican of Louisiana, was shot while a 66-year-old uh, gentleman who decided to, with an assault rifle of some kind, we're finding out what it is, and a handgun, uh, attack the baseball practice of the congressional baseball charity game. They and the Democrats were were practicing today. Now, a couple quick facts about that. Um, you'll read this all in the news, but uh, Scalise, being the number three man in the con- in Congress, has a full security Capitol Police detail that was there, which was able to exchange fire with the gentleman and with a shooter, and uh, eventually leaving leading to his grave wounds. He was taken to the hospital and, and died there. That is the only fatality, fortunately, and as far as I know. And so, uh, but they, but he opened fire on the baseball field. You can imagine, obviously, you'll you'll read the stories, you'll see what's going on. But I I wanted to talk about this with my co-hosts from the broader perspective of how this all kind of affected us. Um, I know, you know, this is all about us because when this happens, it's about us as a nation. What are we going to do about it? And I have to, you kind of ask yourself what went through your head when you heard there was a shooting attack on members of Congress. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity for us to all be really very honest about what goes through our head, because this is a reflection. It can be of where we are in our, in our, in our discourse. I know I thought about Gabby Giffords. um, And did you think about, did you feel anger or terror, revenge, you know, hopelessness? You want to acknowledge these things. And, and, and be honest about, you know, your conclusions. And I want to ask my co-host in a second to kind of chime in is, you know, after you discovered that no one was gravely injured uh, except the shooter and Steve Scalise got shot in the hip, he's already through surgery. I believe the prognosis is good, whatever that means. He's not going to die. For instance, he's going to survive it for sure. And, but I ask you to ask yourself, did, did you go to dark thoughts? You know, um, did you say to yourself, well, gosh, I, I hope the shooter was a radicalized Muslim or I hope he was a radicalized Trump supporter or a radicalized Hillary supporter or an illegal immigrant or an environmentalist or an evangelical or, you know, ask yourself if you if these come into your head and don't don't hate yourself for thinking those things, but be aware of it and and basically ask yourself which category of them, whatever them is to you, did you hope that this shooter came from, because I can assure you only one thing about the shooter 
and not as universal as he was obviously mentally ill enough to have walked his beliefs about the world and other people to where he felt that violence was the only relief to his perceived you know persecution victimhood powerlessness which gives us the lesson that you know when people show signs of such extreme victimhood that they're openly fantasizing about vengeance uh, we the village must conspire to help sanity and kindness and love prevail you know, to identify uh, these kind of individuals and adjudicate their circumstances to protect them from themselves and others and, and, and seek to heal their mental disease while preventing them from gaining access to you know, means and opportunities of violence. That's the broad strokes. <laughs> and the only way we can do that is together. Yeah. Go ahead, Hendrick. Here's the thing that, that struck me when I first started hearing the stories was that this man has a history of violence, and yet he was able to obtain these weapons. Yeah. And that's that's what that's the first thing that ran through my head. Like, really, this is where we're at. That access to guns is a far more important thing than the safety of the citizenry. And it's it's just it's a it's a contemptible way to think. Erica. And I'm done with it. Yeah, I um, I think that's an important point, you know, and one that those of us who support common sense gun legislation seem to make over and over and over among deaf ears of the legislature or the Congress to pass such common sense gun laws. And um, for me, I was in the gym this morning at 5.30 a.m. and they had the news on and I saw that there was a shooting. I didn't realize in that moment that it, that, you know, who was shot. So I didn't realize it was members of Congress. And you know, the first thing that I felt was just sadness and um, fear. And I and the weird thought that came up for me was, it, I feel like gun shootings are getting to be as common as car accidents. And probably all of us uh, here have been in some kind of car accident. And that feeling for me just felt like, you know, closer to home that yeah. me or my children will be, you know, a victim of a shooting because th- there is so much gun violence in this country. Yeah, we've had uh, 152 mass shootings in 2017 so far, which is outpacing previous years. And ironically, uh, as other crimes and violent crimes have actually gone down numerically, there's a lot of great news in those areas about general violent crimes, mass shootings in particular are up and and mild by the way also at the same day two people were so far reportedly killed in san francisco in the potrero hill area at a ups facility including the the gunman or i don't know if it's a gunman i don't exactly how but the they they shot themselves he shot himself as well as another person at least so there's a there's two mass shootings today the one we're going to talk about more is right. the congress one and um, well here's the thing that that i'm i'm already i'm already like girding and cringing for is that I know that guru Wayne LaPierre of the NRA is going to get on TV somewhere and say, gosh, if only everybody had had a gun, this wouldn't have happened. And so... Because you know that's coming. You know it's coming. yes, they did. Yeah, they did have a gun. There was a full they Capitol Police. They did have guns. They had a lot of guns. Oh. Yeah. 
No, but I mean, if everybody had a gun, this wouldn't happen. I'm sure that's going to be the the, the, the thing coming out of Wayne's mouth. And I at think, some the, point. and I think the lesson of what you say, Jeff, is to it, you know we can't let those be the loudest voices. And you can count on the Russians; they're going to infect the, the the media and the social discourse and the trending topics as much as they can with the with the Wayne Lapierre's. And so we we have to kind of ignore them. I think. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, it'd be nice if, if our media services stopped giving that guy airtime. Yeah, maybe they will this time. Maybe we won't hear from Wayne. Maybe Lapierre. they will. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and it's a horribly selfish thought, and it's kind of mean, and I, I, I don't like that I have it, but I'm wondering if now that some of their own have been hurt by this, maybe the Republicans will get off their collective asses and do something about the gun violence problem in this country. Yeah. That's going to be the debate. When I hear you say that, it reminds me of when Gabby Giffords was shot. Yeah. And when right. I saw that nothing was done to to put forth common sense gun laws, I thought, oh, my God, I don't know if anything ever will be done. You know, perhaps, well, yeah, maybe, you know, and we can point, we can point to Sandy Hook with that same sad, sad refrain that, oh, well, this should have been the thing that tipped the scales. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a glutton for context. So I went and looked up uh, the old clip of Gabby Giffords returning to Congress. And it was a very emotional thing. And, it, and I wanted to kind of get a feel for that, because uh, now I want to play you some of the, the good stuff. Um, let me read to my co-hosts the comment from the White House, um, and don't necessarily judge whether Trump wrote it or not. Let's just assume he did, or it doesn't matter. Uh, we may have our differences, but we do well in times like these to remember that everyone who serves in our nation's capital is here because, above all, they loved our country. We can all agree that we are blessed to be Americans, that our children deserve to grow up in a nation of safety and peace, that we are strongest when we are unified and when we work together for the common good. Uh, and by the way, FYI, today is Donald Trump's 71st birthday. Interesting. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Yeah, it's an unfortunate uh, birthday present. Um, and then I also want to play you as we uh, kind of wrap this up. The And we'll talk to, I'll talk to my co-hosts on the other side. The, Paul Ryan, I believe, gave uh, the best speech of his career today on the floor of Congress following this shooting. And I'll let you hear it and you be the judge of that. We just all received a briefing from the sergeant of arms. I have complete confidence in the investigation that's being conducted by the Capitol Police, the FBI, who are also working with local law enforcement. I know we want to extend our gratitude for the outpouring of support that we've received from throughout the Capitol and from throughout the country. And now, knowing Steve Scalise, as we all do, he is likely really frustrated that he's not going to be able to play in the baseball game. <laughs> I also know that Steve wants all of us to commend the bravery of those who came to the aid of the wounded. In the coming days, we will hear their stories, and we will have the chance to hold up their heroism. My colleagues, there are so many memories from this day that we will want to forget, and there are so many images that we will not want to see again. But there is one image in particular that this House should keep, and that is a photo I saw this morning of our Democratic colleagues gathered in prayer this morning after hearing the news. You know, every day we come here to test and to challenge each other. We feel so deeply about the things that we fight for and the things that we believe in. At times, our emotions can clearly get the best of us. We're all imperfect. 
But we do not shed our humanity when we enter this chamber. For all the noise and all the fury, we are one family. These were our brothers and sisters in the line of fire. These were our brothers and sisters who ran into danger and saved countless lives. So before this house returns to its business, let's just slow down and reflect. To think about how we're all being tested right now. Because we are being tested right now. I ask each of you to join me to resolve to come together, to lift each other up, and to show the country, to show the world that we are one house, the people's house, united in our humanity. It is that humanity which will win the day, and it always will. God bless. I yield. Wow. Um, I just... If that Paul Ryan, if that's the Paul Ryan we see henceforth, uh, I am extremely encouraged about our democracy. When he said there is one image in particular, and if you Google it out there, you'll see it, one image in particular that this house should keep, he said, a photo of our Democratic colleagues gathered in prayer when they heard the news. God bless, I yield. I mean, unity is what he is is asking for, and I'm uh, I'm extremely impressed with that. Anyway, wanted to start with the context of that show. Thank you to my host, Erica Ferris and Jeff Hendrick, for jumping on the phone. And here is the rest of Jeff's world that we put together before the unfortunate incident today in America. Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show that sees life through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. Because in Jeff's world, we blow minds and large hearts and leave no man or child behind. And now, here's your host, Chief Executive Optimist and President of These Inspired States of Mind, Jeff Stein. And way too in love with my co-host for my own good. <laughs> love these people. That was Eric Harthen, by the way. I've never mentioned him again. Eric Harthen, our voice talent, uh, super insane talent, H-A-R-T-H-E-N. Google him. Instagram him. And you'll see how awesome he is. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's, that's an inside joke inside for joke. all our listeners. We are... With we, the courtesy we, of the very lovely and patient Internet Georgette. Internet Georgette. She is attempting to school us fossils on how to use Instagram and, and we're it's like not we're, easy. You know, we're people. doing it, but we have like that we were compartmentalizing, like, okay, I like Twitter, hate Instagram. Well, I like Facebook, don't like that. You know, so we're finding our dude, niches. Dude, we're, we're, we're finding our niches. Dude, we're like I don't like any of it. We're, te- <laughs> we're we, we are collectively ten seconds away from screaming, get off my lawn. <laughs> I could feel it. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm gonna need reading glasses. So I love these people and I love uh, getting to do this show every day. And, and the one reason I love it, here's why I love it so much. My lawyer friends are so excited uh, about the world right now uh, because law is important again. You know, people care about what it means to break a law. I, I think cer- they, certain people care. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah, those who are breaking the law seem to be very against the idea of administering the law. But yes. otherwise, and they care about what the presidency is. They care about, like I said in the last show, they're the three branches of government. They're trying to go, well, who does what? What? You know, and that's really, really very, very encouraging. I wish the Republicans cared about breaking the law. They yes. do. They, 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 they care, they, they <laughs> care about getting caught. caught doing yes. it. It's, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's no. not getting caught. Part. Same with the Democrats. So now, uh, <laughs> but a, quick, a few quick observations before I say what's on today in Jeff's world. Donald Trump is terrified. 
Uh, and Dude, I, he's you know been this because... he's been terrified since election night, right? I mean, you saw that he didn't want to win. He had no intention. He just wanted of to start his, like you said, his media empire. He wanted to, to start to Trump TV. Hillary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oops. Yeah. It's like, how do you be? <laughs> remember when he tried to destroy Obama with his whole birther movement? Oh, I remember started? that. Yeah, good yeah. times back in the old days. Didn't really work out for no. him. No, <laughs> Obama was. Reelected. Yeah, he's the the biggest victim and the most powerful man in in the, in the world <laughs> is, is is Donald Trump right now. But that he's terrified. Be the title of his autobiography: The Biggest Victim <laughs> While the Being the Most Powerful Man on the Planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yet still the biggest victim. And he's terrified. The reason you've heard me say this on the show before, but the reason he's terrified is you cannot be mean unless you first been scared. That's mean is the relief. Of scared, yeah. you don't just decide to be mean someday. You don't kick a dog for no reason. You kick a dog because you're you, you're pissed about your life or right. you're taking that something out on the dog. Bullies are made. Bullies are made yeah. from fear, yeah. and so that's why I know Donald Trump is terrified. But I want to tell everybody again. I you me, I like my you know remind people in the context of history. This is all happening. It's very good, and it's not nothing unusual. You know, we've been through so many different things, whether it was civil rights or whether it was economic rights or all these sorts of things. Pick your poison. Every one of these moments where the pain became unbearable and fear inspired the anger and revenge to cause too many of us to believe that punching your fellow man was the only option left. That's what happens, right? We start to think that you get too scared, and then you think it's a good option to attack your fellow man. But in all that, we get this growth because— get enough pain and we start going, that's not working. And people are saying this isn't working. And that's how we get our, and this is the way it was in everything. Anytime. And, and you know, I rewatched all the president's men. Oh, you know, really? You know, which is funny. Of course, about the uh, Woodward and Bernstein catching Watergate scandal. And, um, it was so amazing to see the context. Remember 48 people were uh, convicted. Yeah. <laughs> of crimes, not yeah, not just not, not just indictments. They flat out convicted. got convicted and pled guilty in other forms, whatever. But yeah. basically, and and it's happening all over again. But that's one of the things I, I like. I, I say that in the context of history, right? Um, that was actually a smaller crime, but had worse situations. These look like bigger crimes <laughs> that right. are going to probably have greater cleansing effect because the- after Watergate. A lot of things are put in place, including the special prosecutor uh, laws. My question is, where is this generation's Ben Bradley? Yeah, we're going to find out. Where's Where's the guy who's going to have the back of the press? And I just never, I'll never forget Jason Robarts just growling at, "Screw it, we stand by our boys." Right? Like, you know right, what? There right. was, there was a, people cheered in the theater when that line came out. You know. That role is still to be determined. Yeah, I think so. And I will say again to all our friends at uh, Washington Post, many someone we've had on this show, you know, uh, Matt Sapatowski, uh, Mary Jordan, etc. Who Matt, Matt, Mary, Mary, thank you, thank you. You guys (laughs) guys. at Washington Post are doing great work, and I'm not sure you're getting every single one of them right, but you're doing the you know effort to make. They're doing the heavy lifting, brother. That's it's an amazing, amazing group over there. Thank you, Washington Post. I'm so impressed. They have such a a sense of social importance too. Even the peripheral stories. I mean, obviously we're talking about the political ones, but they talk about all the different things that are going on in America, and you're like, that's really important. <laughs> and I'm glad we're yeah. hearing about this stuff. No, uh, it, it, so. I think with the, I think something that will come out of the Trump administration, an unforeseen good thing, is perhaps uh, another, you know, maybe golden age of the press. Yeah. You know, just standing up for the average Joe and, and getting it right. Yeah. I would really dig seeing that come, come about again. 
So today on Jeff's World, by the way, that was Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. I don't know if I mentioned your name, plus Internet Georgette. I'm a tacky host. I forgot to uh, tell you guys the name because mine's in the freaking jingle, so I don't have an excuse. I know, ghost. Very ghost. (laughs) My friend Scott likes to say, oh, God, that's so bougie. (laughs) Bougie. It's so bougie. It's so bougie. Today on Jeff's World, the Jeff Sessions hearings. uh, We just finished watching them. We're going to have our commentary on that. Uh, If you're looking for some big big thing, ain't no big thing, really. But uh, uh, secondly, reality winner in the reality check on vote integrity. There's more information about what she uncovered, but even more what newspapers were led to uncover as a result of her. 39. Yeah. My uh, favorite new hashtag I want to share. The best partisan trolling of the day. That's going to be fun. Megyn Kelly hasn't launched and she's losing advertisers. We'll tell you why that is. Joe Biden not only loves thy enemy, he doesn't even see his enemies as enemies. I'll tell you that story. Clara McCaskill versus the Dead Politician Society. (laughs) <laughs> you can get that reference. I knew it. The latest list of patriots putting country before party. Also the latest from the Echo Bubble Roach Motel, where ideology checks in while brains check out. Uh, the Donald Trump slips on a ban appeal. That was a good headline. I stole that one. Slips on a ban yeah, appeal. I get it. Get it. <laughs> Educating Ivanka. The Billboard chart of top religions. And V is for Vicious. Uh, Theresa May and the Radical Irish, and meanwhile, back in the former USSR, and maybe a little lightning, lightning round if we have some time. We it's, prefer the term apathy. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. That's right. I'm Jeff Stein. He's Jeff Hendrick. That's Erica <laughs> Ferris. Then uh, we'll have, this is Jeff's world. Cold enough to chill my bones. It feels like I don't know you anymore. Jeff's World, where news and life meets optimism and patriotism. I like to think so. This is Jeff Stein, along with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick and Internet Georgette, making us known to the world through the social media. She's our Instagrammy mammy. And ex- <laughs> <laughs> Instagrammy mammy! <laughs> and Executive Brian, who's our nanny. I don't know. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh. I just got a new nanny. Yay! <laughs> and her name is Dovey. Dovey nanny? <laughs> nanny Dovey. Nanny Dovey, oh. come here, Nanny Dovey. God, that's so Downton Abbey, I can't stand it. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Good grief. Oh, okay, as opposed she's to we. A sitter, but you know. Okay, whatever. Uh, uh... <laughs> oh, you know the difference between a sitter and a, and a nanny? Uh-huh. $4 an hour. There you go. Okay, so. she's a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Oh, so we just came came off the, uh, the high, oh boy, of the Jeff Sessions hearings. Oh. And uh, takeaways, go ahead. Erica, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, A lot of nothing. Yeah, a lot of nothing. Worst high ever. (laughs) For coming off a high, that's the worst high ever. Right. Uh, It was amazing to watch Sessions uh, run out the clock on on the answers. It was just throw as much crap up in the air until the 10 minutes you can hear that you could actually see it in the head in his behind his eyes in the back of that empty little elven head of his ding when 10 minutes was up and he was like oh thank god i got out of that one too yeah what he's referring to is every senator got 10 minutes to ask questions right. and so he would kind of go back to his original statement periodically or just kind of regurgitate something jeff sessions would just to extend it out so much so that we saw senators trying to interrupt him regularly to go i want to get my question out before the time's up right no it, and he he knew exactly what he was doing just yeah. delay, stall, stall, delay. And it was very partisan, unfortunately. There was a lot of moments where uh, it got angry when the, the Oh, Democrats it was lovely. John, were... John Cornyn got to bring up Hillary Clinton, which this hearing is not about, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was interesting watching his body language. <clears throat> yeah. You know, every time it was a Democrat, 
you know, the, yeah. the pursed lips, the tense, you know, yeah. posture. And you, then you could the hear Republican big smile would lean back, put his arm up on the chair and yeah. just knew he was in friendly territory. And, and like you said, just stalled on the Democrats. Although it would have been nice if the Democrats had been more aggressive. Yeah. You know, I... I think it was a it was good for Jeff Sessions. He seemed he didn't, he didn't throw tr- Donald Trump under the bus, but he made sure that he reminded the committee that he didn't do anything wrong, and he really right, covered yeah. his ass very carefully. He made he went to great efforts to say I wasn't there, didn't do it, not me. And then and a lot of this phrase that uh, I think we're going to hear a lot of uh, oh I don't recall yeah a lot of I don't recall which and, is not flat out denial, so we can't be prosecuted yeah. for it. Well, that yeah. goes back to the Scooter Libby days. Yes. Oh. That's where we learned oh, the, I don't recall, and... I don't recall. Oh, honey, recall. honey, baby. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's go, let's honey go back. Baby. Honey, baby, let's go back to Watergate. Well, you and know. Lots, lots of I don't recall, and oh, Senator, you must be joking. Yeah. I am just a baby chick over <laughs> here. That's true. So. That's true. You're not one of the old farts on the on the crew. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm officially, I believe, the old fart on this crew. Yeah, and when she gets younger <laughs> every year, too, which makes it's, it particularly hard. Well, she's a witch. Yeah, she's a witch. She's our favorite. Favorite witch and lovely, but I don't trust you to not. I'm a good witch. <laughs> yeah. Just call me Glenda. But I think Jeff Sessions, <laughs> if I had my takeaway, one, uh, he's hiding, he's protecting. Because if you really, it's the old thing, if the OJ thing we talked about before, you know, did OJ behave like an innocent man? Hell God, no. God no. And he didn't behave like an innocent man, but he's fine. Nothing's going to happen to Jeff, Jeff Sessions. He seems to have been, to use Trump's word, a far enough satellite in the uh, Trump-Russia thing. Wait, I, I think he Trump was Trump used just, the word satellite? Yeah, because he said we should go after the satellites if there are any yeah. satellite employees. Like, he tried to make them seem like they were so yeah, distant he, from him. He used the word. He didn't spell it, Eric. No, 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 he, he can't it. spell he it. Can't it's a tough it, one. One did step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> baby, baby First steps. You talk, the baby then hand you steps. Spell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that my outside voice? <laughs> a little bit. Oh, uh, but that. <laughs> so that leads us to uh, my favorite hashtag, which was born in all this. If you guys want to check it out, you go on Twitter or whatever. Stupid Watergate. Stupid Watergate. Stupid Watergate. Stupid Watergate. Stupid Watergate. <laughs> and that's been the one that, and it's very entertaining, of course. They're basically, uh, you know, people are being gracious enough to post anything that kind of shows how much they're just stepping on their own willies, um, not making any sense with <laughs> with their choices. Is that a bad expression? Is that, that sexist is such to step a on your own willies? Great word. No, it makes me laugh because I have body humor. Okay. Stepping body humor. on their willies. Dude, I'm, I'm 12 years old. I'm down for stepping on the willie. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Hashtag stepped Willie. Speaking of Willies, since you spoke <laughs> up, Erica, you know, there was a uh, great, I don't know if you saw the article of the that went viral of the mom with all her notes to her boys on the toilet seats. Did you see that one? No, but please. Oh, it's super cute. Tell. I mean, it's a visual, so you don't see it on the radio here, but she tasted pictures, all, all little notes all pa- over pasted, the- Pasted, pasted, pasted. Yes. Sorry, pasted. <laughs> What did I say? Oh, God. You said tasted. Dude. Tasted. Oh, that's not terrible. Pasted no, uh, little notes all over the toilet saying, pee here, not here, pee here, pee there, you know, not here. And just, you know, for the obvious reason. Uh, I love it. I have to say, my boys missing the toilet was how I convinced my landlord to let us replace the carpet in the bathroom. <laughs> so there's the upside. With hardwood floors. And, it, like... and it worked. And, and she's a tough landlord. Yeah. I, I still have it. I've been there five years and have not been allowed to change the 
wallpaper, the girl wallpaper in the boys' bathroom yet. Oh. But but I did get the hardwood floors in because of that. Because all moms understand missing boys, yes. toilet missing boys. Yes. Yeah. I will give credit to my 13-year-old. He's excellent and knows to wipe if he misses. I, I don't know where he finally learned it, but it's His good. Mother. So there's time. Yeah, maybe so. I don't, I don't recall either my brother or myself being really bad aims as kids. I know, it's a funny topic, but yeah. there you go. I, when you have to clean the floor... Well, not the, the toilet. not to make excuses for the two giants, as you referred to our show name, Erica and the Giants. Uh, you know, when you're six foot four, it is a greater distance, and sometimes things are really far down and low, and it's it's a longer shot. Wow! Any, what, you know? what show are, are I know, we right? doing? I know. <laughs> so I'm just going to blame it on the Trump effect. Thank you. Erase, erase. Coming up on Jeff's World, <laughs> the bubble tightens. Yep, this is Jeff's World. This is Jeff's World, the home of truth, justice, sarcasm, laughs, and epiphanies, all while looking at the American way. I'm Jeff Stein, along with Eric Ferriston, Jeff Hendrick, Internet Georgette's here, too. And we're talking about the bubble, the old echo chamber chamber bubble. Because uh, what's been happening is that there's a good chunk of the nation. <laughs> Hendrick's going to pop bubbles every time I say bubble. Uh, <laughs> is that... Uh, Sorry. The one concern, because right. with this with this show, I like to do the meta game. I mean, we can tell you the stories and the headlines, but you can get that from you know Fox News or MSNBC or wherever you want to go. But um, I think what I'm fascinated by is how are we as the people taking it, responding at all, and polls and things and surveys and whatever anecdotal I keep reading is showing how you know the good majority, two thirds of the nation, is definitely saying. Like, for instance, uh, on James Comey, uh, 46% of people thought he was trustworthy. Only 26% of people thought Donald Trump was trustworthy. And, and this was after the testimony? This was after the testimony. Okay. Between their two testimonies. In other words, the, the, on that subject, 46%. And the rest were unsure. You can do the math there. That wasn't 100%, obviously. 46 for Comey was the trustworthy one. 26% said Trump, and the rest were unsure. And that's pretty consistent. Well, your, 20, down- your 26% is pretty much the people that voted for him. I mean, that's that's almost the exact number. Yeah. yeah. And the reason Hendrick says that is because when you take away the factor that a lot of people that registered to vote didn't vote. <laughs> 41% yeah. of the registered electorate set it out. So. Yeah. And so, but of those that did. And again, yeah. we've talked about the 28% number that they used to bounce around during the Vietnam War and during Watergate. And about 28% of the nation will stick with one side or the other, no matter how corrupt or awful they get. <laughs> Including right. Nixon. They still like, 28% still like Nixon. 26% still like the Iraq I would War afterwards. Nixon in a heartbeat. <laughs> no, you over wouldn't. Trump. <laughs> no, Nixon because he was dastardly. Yeah. Again, this is why it's stupid Watergate versus regular Watergate, because these guys, although they got caught, they got caught because there was a hundred of them involved. It was such a massive conspiracy and they totally forgot how illegal what they were doing was. They just they had done it for so so long for so. Right. To forget. You just kind of get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. Like you talk about, uh, you know, Carl Rove or or what's his name uh, before him. And uh, and they just kind of go, oh, this is fine. Right. It's fine. And so that's well. I mean, if you are operating without a lack of ethics or morals, then any <laughs> violation of law is secondary to how you breathe. Yeah, kind you of. know that's just how they are. That's who they are. Well, you see that happening right now, right? There's illegal things happening, and people say, "Well, you know, he's just new, Paul Ryan." Yeah. Well, he's just new. You gotta, yeah. you gotta give him a chance. I mean, he didn't know. Boy, he got beat up for that one once again. Uh, nobody believed that. <laughs> nobody bought that. Nor should they. Except the 28 percenters again. They, they're on it. And I'll give an example of where the 28 percenters come from. That uh, and the Ru- Russian bots. Yeah. Well, again, 
you know, we said that in the last show, this is still happening. This attack is still happening. They're getting better at it. And the story we, we teased that, it, that Hendrick alluded to is they just came on the Bloomberg that 39 states were attempted or hacked on voter rolls and or voter database systems in states by Russians. That's massive. Now, the first part of that was reality winner and all her fumbling. And we'll see what the courts do with her. And I trust the courts will handle it. But she and so she may be somewhere like Snowden between a patriot and a, and a traitor. We you know, figure that one out. But in the meantime, um, they uh, she exposed something that made the, the press go out and start looking for more. And they found 39 states uh, had been hacked or nearly hacked, which means and a lot of the, the the fear now is that they were getting close to being able to affect the actual vote count. Certainly the ability because they don't even necessarily want to control people like, oh, they're going to make them Trump win or Hillary win. No, they just want it to v- fail. And one of the things that they found that the Russians were probably trying to do is to just get knock a whole ton of people off the rolls. So that you just show up to vote, and there would just be chaos. Oh, wait a minute! But that's Chris Kobach's job. Absolutely. <laughs> it has been and a popular let's sport. Not uh, let this distract Kobach. from the people in this country that are doing real damage, like Chris Kobach. Yeah. He he scrubbed about a million voters off the rolls. Yeah. We we don't need Russians to do that. Well, it, it's happening here, and I guess my concern is with all the Russia, Russia, Russia. Nobody's paying attention to what is actually happening by the people in power here. Yeah, not to make you feel worse, but this will, uh, that effort, because after the hanging chads, the Republicans said, let's do the voter integrity law that says that we're going to exchange in like 16 or 20-something states participate, I think it's 24. Help in, America Vote Act. Yeah, they, well, that was the good one. The one where it uh, verifies voting between states so that you're not voted registered in two states, right? And this was basically an attempt, like you say, it was used by some folks like Chris Kobach to just take people off the rolls. What was the intention of it in the first place? They're but, terrified of people voting 50 times. Times, even though it doesn't ever happen, hardly. Oh. They're terrified of Democrats and the poor <laughs> voting because they can't win when yeah. they vote. Yeah. And they're outnumbered. But as it turns out, that connectivity of the voting systems may be a little help to Russia in their ability to sabotage uh, those voter rolls. So we, you know, we, we get, but fortunately, Obama and company were on it. Uh, they were genuinely freaked out. They had lots of meetings about it. They spoke to the states. The only downside is some of the states, the more redder ones, uh, decided not to listen to Obama too much until after the election and then went, oh, he, was, he wasn't just trying to mess with us. That was actually, we were actually hacked. We were actually being infiltrated on our databases of voters. So uh, we're on it. I'm trusting, I'm hoping that our intelligence agencies are smart enough to, to dodge this. I have but, to say long before Obama, there was... a. I can't remember her name, but her na- it, it, her organization was like Black Box Voting. Yeah, yeah, Black Box Voting. And she has been all over the electronic voting system and demonstrated, I mean, at this point, 15 years ago or so, how right. easily, quickly uh, the votes can be hacked without being identified at all. And, and so... And... Honestly, we were begging the Democrat Party, the DNC, to do something about it, and they yeah. didn't. Yeah, it's a weird resistance to it. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you you have some very powerful people in place that that own. Well, we've talked about this before, Erica. Yes. That the Koch brothers own Diebold tabulating yeah. systems. And, and VR was the one that was hit the and, most. And apparently. VR and, and the other, other yes, companies. Yes, and S is it Sequoia. Yes, and Sequoia. Yeah, 
Isn't it disturbing how everybody in this room knows all the different voting systems? I love what geeks you guys are. <laughs> well, the only reason we know any of this stuff is because they've been attacked and hacked right, and corrupted. Right, so, right. And that's the plus side, I suppose. I guess. So, when, Okay. <laughs> well, then coming up, I want to play a, a little clip from Fox News to give an idea of what it sounds like in the bubble, on the right-wing bubble, and then you can see what I mean <laughs> about uh, how that affects Every what time. you believe. And what you believe, the belief is just a thought you keep thinking. So that when we uh, continue with Jeff's World. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferris and Jeff Henry. A club isn't the best place to find the lovers so of the bar is where I go. I'm in love with the shape of you. Yeah, this is Jeff's World, the independent state of mind, where we look at this gorgeous country in all its complicated glory and love it exactly the way it is. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferris and Jeff Hendrick, and uh, the bubble is what we are talking about. <laughs> Um, I, I think the best way to do it, again, I think is to just kind of uh, play a little of uh, the Fox News. Um, Janine Pirro. Oh, God, not right? this clip. And uh, <laughs> you know her. She's a great friend of Donald Trump. Welcome to it. Help yourself. And she had <laughs> Donald Trump on. And the point is not to say, I don't want to outrage you and hear, hear the craziness of it or however you want to portray it. It's not so much about that, uh, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. But you can see this is how they interpreted the Comey hearings and where things stand right now. Uh, but, you know, when I see what's going on right now, when I see what went on for 10 months with the Russia nonsense and the smear, and then we see what happens on Thursday, it's like, give me a break. I mean, they're literally spent 10 months chasing a rabbit down a hole uh-huh. with essentially the sole purpose to try to take down my father. We were vindicated. I mean, totally. Why do you, why do you but, say you were vindicated? Look, I, listen, I, I think it's clear that, uh, you know, everything that went on in the Comey testimony was basically ridiculous. They're saying, hey, <laughs> he never asked me to stop a Russia investigation. When I hear the Flynn comments, you and I both know my father a long time. Well, when he tells you to do something, yes. guess what? There's no ambiguity in it. There's no, hey, I'm hoping. You and I are friends. Hey, I hope this happens, but you got to do your job. That's what he told Comey. And for this guy as a politician to then go back and write a memo, oh, I felt threatened. He felt so threatened. He felt th- but he didn't do anything. Especially when we found out <laughs> that there there is no collusion. That- what? what are you going to say? I'm just curious. Is that Uday or Kuse? <laughs> <laughs> referencing Saddam Hussein says two sons. Um, is that Eric? <laughs> seriously, is that Eric? Donald. That's Don, that's Don Jr. You can tell because he has a really matches Donald's uh, a speech pattern. So there's the thing, there's the, the little the little starts and stops and, and the gestures. It's oh. hilarious to watch Donald Trump. He's he, got the same gesture. He must be doing the same brand of speed. How yeah. about his transparent attempt when he put a political politician in front of Comey for this politician? Yeah, now he's um, a politician. He's not a politician. He's yeah. a private citizen. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> And it was funny, and even his Which own is, words, yeah, yeah. when he said, uh, oh, you know when uh, my dad says to do something. When he says, I hope, you know. And he actually, the wording he said it, I should back it up a little bit. You should. He actually kind of backed up Comey without yeah. knowing that he was agreeing with him. You know? okay, listen, I, I think it's clear that uh, you know everything that went on in the Comey testimony was ridiculous. basically ridiculous. They're saying, oh, sure. hey, he never asked me to stop a Russia investigation. When I hear the Flynn comments, you and I both know my father a long time. What? When he tells you to do something, yes. guess what? There's no ambiguity in he it. Just There's no, it. hey, I'm hoping. You and I are friends. Hey, I hope this happens, but you got to do your job. I mean, he just That's defined what he it. Told Comey. So. And for this guy as a politician to then go back and write a memo, oh, I felt thrown. He felt so threatened. He felt, th- but he didn't do anything. Especially when we found out that there there is no collusion. That- but weren't and you? By the way, angry there is no collusion. Marco Rubio hit it best. Yeah, honestly, he said, of all the things that were leaked, 
all the the only thing that wasn't leaked was that Trump was never under investigation because there's nothing there. Right. How come that's not leaked? Mm-hmm. Huh? How, Let's because, talk about because I mean, it's, it's not true. It. The only thing that's out there basically totally vindicating Trump from a 10 month witch hunt that never makes it anywhere. I mean, I think his divisiveness, mm-hmm. the yeah. way he handled things, Kobe's everything that leads up to this that we've seen over the last few months. And now what we know about how he handled the Loretta Lynch thing explains perfectly why he should totally be fired. Did he lie under oath when he said well, the uh, dates seem very confusing to me based okay. on what I saw in The New York Times and based on his claim that it was because of a tweet from my father the day after. Mm-hmm. That can't be the it reason doesn't if seem right to me. tweet when the New York Times you know, had it. Listen, he's a very sophisticated political player and he's playing the game. But I think he even got caught up in his own nonsense in this one. And I think at the end of that clip, they actually started kissing. Um, I think it's pathetic. It was just. I think it's pathetic that uh, his children are in all of these uh, positions in our uh, government, yeah, in our political yeah, process. Yeah, I mean, yeah. talk uh, about nepotism. It's just, it's just gross. And yeah. watching this is. I gotta go take a shower. Thank you. The double standard that got me is that you know, there's always been a kind of tradition that you don't mess with the first family. Uh, but when the first family, of course, goes out and becomes part of the political machine, then that's it. All bets are off. And also, I have to say, Comey is what six four, eight, six, six eight, eight. <laughs> and you know he's like, okay, you guys don't leave me in the room alone with this guy because he's intimidating. Imagine the women that have been alone in a room with this guy with Comey or Donald Trump with Donald Trump. Yeah. Comey did not want a. Comey was intimidated, and he, man. yeah, no, I, he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't he was intimidated. Stunned. He no, he knew, he knew as soon as everybody left that room that Donald J. Trump <laughs> was going to ask him something hinky and more than likely illegal, and it was going to end up being his word against the president. And, and that's women why he was nervous. knew when they were in a room alone with Donald yeah. Trump, he was going to be asking them to do something kinky. Oh, I don't think he was asking at all, Erica. I think he, <laughs> I think he was grabbing things. Yeah. But, I mean, that's... Yeah. Think about that intimidation. Oh, disgusting. Yeah. Maybe you can't. But on the point of the bubble, you can hear in that dialogue, whether you agree with what they said or not, you have to agree, even if you are a Trump supporter, that they have extracted the parts of the story that fit to make look Donald Trump look great and ignored the parts they don't, which is kind of standard politics, but... This bubble has gotten tighter. The polls are showing that that those who are staying, the, I mean, the amount of people that are supporting Trump keeps shrinking. This is, but they keep staying stronger into their belief. So. Well, and this goes back to the Bush administration and Karl Rove right. when they cherry picked the intelligence to make a case for war using and one you're source. Seeing this, um, you know, continue on steroids here. Yeah, the one source was called Curveball. Yeah. Just so we know that, folks, historically, the source for the Iran Iraq war, all that intelligence, curveball, curveball, <laughs> and that's the name of the freaking guy. So, in the meanwhile, so what are the other Republicans doing? Okay, so you know, if you saw Tom Cotton in, in the Jeff Sessions, uh, they're just trying to say you guys aren't doing any collusion. This is just fine, and and that, which is silly because there's a obviously an agreement oh, that the uh, Russians oh. are not only hacking but had help. Uh, Tom, that's pretty understood. Tom Cotton, the Niedermeyer of our generation, <laughs> for those of you that are Animal House fans. But uh, here, I want to play this. This is for my amusement. Kathy McMorris Rogers. If you're not familiar with oh. her, she's a Republican woman, Congresswoman, 
who every time the the white men's club goes up to sell some sort of really angry <laughs> bill, and that's that's judgment on my side, but you get the point. They always bring Kathy McMorris Rogers up there. She's the brunette, short brown hair, and she kind of stands her and just smiles and says, "This is rad." And um, <laughs> she was talked to, was talking to Hallie Jackson, and I wanted to play this because I want you to give you an example. If you're worried about this bubble and you're worried about what's going to happen, this is what they've been relegated to. Listen to this clip, you two, and see if you can find any substance in what Kathy McMorris is saying. Okay. August recess. You might have heard earlier in the show there may be some discussion that you guys will cancel it. Are you sacrificing your summer break? What's the deal? Well, you know, we are about getting results. And uh, we are focused, the House and the Senate and the White House, we're working together to get results. And and I am I I'm willing to stay here if that's what it means to get results done. <laughs> results for what? Exactly. Oh my goodness. Getting out of the Paris Accord, getting know. rid of consumer protections, taking away people's health care. Those kind of results. I, the reason the reason I brought it for all of you guys, exactly. One of the reasons I brought it for you guys. Too no, is that, no, Erica, where 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 have you been? It's about the coal jobs. We're saving the coal jobs yeah. today. You know, <laughs> well, I just want to point out all seventy thousand that, the, that the union for the coal miners did not support Trump. The only <laughs> the only coal people that supported Trump were the owners, were the owners yeah. and yeah. that is a fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> I guess those are the cold jobs he was trying to save, huh, Erica? Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the other reasons I want to bring it up is sometimes my, my friends on the left will over-endow the right as being so organized and, and, and so disciplined with talking points and message. And this is what I want you to I want you to see this. They don't have any discipline right now because they don't have a message. Because all she can say is we're going to get results. Because you can't get an answer from any of them what results are. I mean, obviously you had some nefarious what the reasons of what results would be. You, you remember Sleepers, don't you? The movie? Yeah, yeah. With not, the, not, not Sleepers. What I'm thinking, um, uh, Sneakers. Sneakers. Oh, yeah. Robert with, Redford and right. uh, Ben Kingsley. And Ben Kingsley has a great line in that. When uh, he Robert Redford confronts him, he says, you, you're working for organized crime now. He said, don't kid yourself, Monty. They're not that organized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing with the Republican Party right now. They're not that organized. Well, they they're don't just... have a unified message. No. They can be disciplined. I've always been impressed with the Republicans being disciplined sometimes they're, they're on a message. Lo- they're good at lockstep when they're all on the same page. When they have that one lockstep. Right. But they don't have to be four right now. They only have their shared victimhood, which well, is sad. You have, you have what is it, the... The Tuesday group, or yeah, the Tuesday's the moderate group. Okay, well, and then you also have the yeah, crazy Tea Party yeah, caucus who freedom don't caucus. want freedom caucus. They don't want to do anything. But I think part of the reason why you're not seeing that discipline besides Trump is uh, <laughs> is because the, the people that they strung along are really starting to see through it big time, yeah. and that's why you see. Only what I mean, what's his approval rating? Twenty. Well, it's getting, I mean, he's got a thirty-two-ish, thirty-five-ish. Okay, 30. So, uh, for example, whereas you know those same people before that were like, ah, communist healthcare, they're the ones screaming the loudest. You know, don't don't take away our healthcare. They're the ones screaming the, you know, right along with the rest of us for guaranteed healthcare for all, single payer. Um, so those people are finally seeing that they've yeah. been played. And you and you just uh, introed our next uh, segment. I want to talk about here in a little bit. So coming up is uh, Claire McCaskill and the Dead Politician Society on the topic of of health care and what the Senate Republicans are doing or not doing or not letting anyone else doing. This is Jeff's world. I'll meet you in the dark. 
Are breathing the rarefied air of Jeff's world. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick and Internet Georgette, making y'all know what's going on. And the topic is healthcare. Healthcare for a hundred dollars, please, Alex, <laughs> for your entire life savings, Alex. Uh, what is every other industrialized <laughs> nation has it but us, Alex? <laughs> So uh, for those who don't know, we all saw what happened when they tried to repeal and replace in the House. And now it went to the Senate, and the Senate says we're going to take it on, right? So 13 Republican senators have been meeting in secret. I don't know how those were chosen. I don't know what made them special, but 13 are in secret talking. And they're not sharing with anyone, although apparently there have been some rumors that they have been allowing uh, lobbyists to see some of the drafts. Surprise. Surprise. Now that could just be. That could just be. I'm thinking oil <laughs> lobbyists, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, if it's uh, healthcare, who do we get? We got to get the pharmaceuticals oh, in there, right? Oh, healthcare. Sure. Pharmaceutical insurance companies. So. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if that's true. I don't want to. That, that's kind of throwing an accusation. Oh my shocked. God, it's totally shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. So uh, <laughs> the uh, I like the Chris Hayes of MSNBC referred to this as the McConnell doctrine, uh, and he did a little segment where he showed about uh, starting with the Supreme Court thing, where it's like, hey, we're just going to completely upend procedures and anything that has ever been normal in Senate and do it the way we want to do it. And Senate, Senator Claire McCaskill of Missouri, who has managed to be reelected, you know, in, in, a, in very bluish, I mean, reddish purple uh, Missouri. Uh, she's doing great over there. And she got a little upset when they were meeting on it. And this is what happened. It's worth Thank it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, let me start by saying, Mr. Chairman, that you and Senator Grassley, I have a great deal of respect and admiration for. So my first question that I would make of the chair is, will we have a hearing on the health care proposal? Will we? Yes. It's Orrin Hatch. Uh, I think we've already Lo- had one. but No, I mean on the proposal that you're planning to bring to the floor of the Senate for a vote. Will there be a hearing? Okay, now listen carefully. I'm going to turn the volume a little bit. Okay. An aide, a nice-looking female aide, she comes up and she whispers in Uncle Orrin Hatch's ear. Now, Orrin Hatch is 86. He's the longest-serving Republican senator currently in the Senate. Not that means anything, but there you go. And listen carefully what she says. She's, what you, huh? Democrats are invited. Say Democrats were invited to participate in this process. Yeah, open to ideas and suggestions. Open to ideas. Well, I don't know that... There's going to be another hearing, but we've invited so, you to, to participate and no, give your ideas. No, that's and not true, Mr. Chairman. Let me just say, I, I watched carefully all of the hearings that went on on the Affordable yeah. Health Care Act. I um, was not a member of this committee at the time, although I would have liked to be. Uh, Senator Grassley was uh, the ranking member. Uh, dozens of Republican amendments were offered and accepted that's correct. in that hearing process. And when you say that you're inviting us, and I heard you, Mr. Secretary, just say we'd love your support, for what? We don't even know. We have no idea what's being proposed. There's a group of guys in a back room somewhere that are making these decisions. There were no hearings in the House. I mean, listen, this is hard to take because I know we made mistakes on the Affordable Health Care Act, Mr. Secretary. And one of the criticisms we got over and over again that the vote was partisan. 
Well, you couldn't have a more partisan exercise than what you're, what you're engaged in right now. We're not even going to have a hearing on a bill that impacts one-sixth of our economy. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to have an opportunity to offer a single amendment. It is all being done with an eye to try to get it by with 50 votes and the vice president. I am She's stunned still counseling him. that that yeah. is what Leader McConnell would call regular order, which he sanctimoniously said would be the order of the day when the Republicans took the Senate over. We are now so far from regular order, the new members don't even know what it looks like. And I know that doesn't make you happy, Mr. Chairman or Senator Grassley, because you have been in the Senate so long, you know the value of the hearing process and the amendment process. And even though the vote ended up being partisan, just as yours will be, the amendment process wasn't. Both of you had amendments that were put into that bill, as did other members of this committee. I want that opportunity. Give me that opportunity. Give me an opportunity to work with you. That's what is so discouraging about this process. So the desperation that she is going to to appeal to his better angels. Yes, thank you for noticing that. By saying, you've been in the Senate, so has Mr. Grassley. I know you have such respect yes. for you know the rules and the regulations. And it is literally falling on deaf ears as he continues to listen to the young woman whispering in his ear, not even listening to any of the words Claire McCaskill has to say i mean i applaud her and i feel for her and um get ready people because i am telling you as a delegate to the california democratic party we will pass single payer guaranteed health care for all and it is going to be tough we have gone most of the way there we have to get through the assembly and we've got some democrats who are resisting, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I will be putting out calls. I'll put it out right now. Call your assembly member and tell them you want um, the Guaranteed Health Care, Healthy California Act, Senate Bill 562 passed. And if they tell you that they believe in single payer but not this bill, you tell them that if you don't believe in Senate Bill 562, you do not support single payer. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and if you don't, uh, you don't have to remember everything she just said because I think people get nervous about calling. You sure. can you can use an app or just say you want health care for oh, everyone. Whatever you can say, you can you can tell they're smart enough. You can say, "I want you to pass that health care for everyone thingy." They'll know what you're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Also, uh, download an app called ResistBot yeah, for your Resist phone. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it will help you play this game on a much higher, much smarter level. But the thing is, I want to say, Erica, I think Claire McCaskill wasted her time even saying that, even trying to get to the uh, better angels. No, because you look at Orrin Hatch's voting record, and you look at Chuck Grassley's voting record, and these men have no better angels. These men have been in, in the Senate for 30 years, and they have been consistently screwing the working man for 30 freaking years. Okay? It's true, but these old-timey Republicans, <laughs> Old-timey Republicans. And you know, I say that in a gesture to you when you yeah. say people can call their assembly member and just say, hey, I want that, yeah. 
you know, that healthcare thing for everybody. I want single payer. I want universal health. They'll get it. They know. Just make the call. But they do have this thing, the old-timey Republicans, for uh, for the rules, for the regulations, even though they use them to screw the working people. Yeah. So I I don't think Senate that, rules and such. I mean, yeah. right? Senate rules, and I don't think and and the decorum of it and the it does formality of it and all of that. Um. So I don't think it was a waste of her time. I honestly don't think she had any other card to play knowing no no, no. I, that I, I agree that they could yeah, I agree care less oh, yeah. about people having health care yeah but one more thing yes, if please. you'll allow me the time please. um so as we get closer nevada is doing this too as we get closer to passing uh single payer um you are starting to see, I'm sure you're all familiar with the phrase alternative facts. <laughs> so the insurance companies, the right. pharmaceutical companies. Especially insurance. And yeah. their Republican comrades <laughs> are um, working overtime to put out, you know, alternative facts. So when yeah. there, w- there was a study done um, that proves uh, that here in California and Nevada, <laughs> that single payer saves money and saves lives. And um, one of their Jonah Goldberg, right. right? I'm sure you're familiar. So here's here's the thing that the alternative facts are going to start hearing. They're, they're going to start telling you that healthcare in Canada and these other places, it stinks. Why would right. we want that? And the truth is, we come in, I think, number thirty-five. Yeah. When it comes to services provided per dollar spent, we we're pay horrible. More for <laughs> we pay more for our health care, and we you have less the services. least. We like we're thirty-fifth in life expectancy. <laughs> so he's now out there uh, saying uh, that there's a study that's done that's saying that the only reason why we rank so low is because they're not taking into account. Uh, Fatal car crashes and murders in the U.S. That's why, and and so which would be a good pitch for some gun control regulation. <laughs> but you know, forget about that. But here's the thing: there are you know. So in response to that, there has been um, analysis done out of I think it's uh, University of Massachusetts, and so they took out all that and they compared 65 and older. You know, so you're way beyond fatal car crashes and murders. And we're still, we come in last place with life expectancy because even though everybody here at 65 can get on Medicare, before that, healthcare is so expensive here right. that, they're, that they're not getting things early enough, which, and also we come in last with um, infant mortality rates, yeah. and and it's embarrassing how low our numbers are there for a country as industrialized and modern as we are, Bosnia? like Nicaragua and stuff is terrible. We're behind Cuba. <laughs> it's horrible. Here's what I don't understand: if they say that you can't put in the fatal car crashes and the gun deaths, then why aren't gun deaths considered a national health problem? Right, they're not allowed to because, of course, the Republicans have made it illegal. Yeah, to, we can't even track. It. We can't even track the data yeah. in this country. 
So, but for the record, I wanted to give out some numbers on that because, Please. and thank you, Erica, for making that point. Because endowing somebody with their higher angels, I, I'm the first one to say, "Yay, that's how we get done, y'all." And then, and then the second point of that is, is that they can't get away from their own victimhood. They only, again, you, saw, you heard Kathy McMorris Rogers just says we're going to get results, 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 and then they go right back to blame the Democrats for not having a health care bill. And it's like, how can you blame somebody who can't even doesn't even have a vote? But that said. <laughs> Um, oh, it's, it's much easier to blame someone who can't d- defend themselves. Right. It's punching down. So, but when, when they passed, as <laughs> Claire McCaskill, she mistakenly called out the American or the AHCA or everyone, when it should have been referred to ACA, the American the, uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, if you prefer. When they were passing Obamacare, the Democrats held over 100 hearings, over 100 hearings, not a closed door one like they're doing when they're hiding, 100 hearings, and allowed Republicans to add 147 amendments. Yeah, if you want to know why, if you want to know why the ACA is as jacked up as it is, check those amendments out. But they followed <laughs> Senate rules right. and said, Republicans, if you want to add amendment, go ahead. And if it receives the majority vote, it goes in. And 147 went in. Right. And so they, that was a problem. And now they're not letting the Democrats even offer or vote on their own amendments. And of course, the ACA got zero Republican votes, which is so funny. They got 147 amendments in it and still didn't vote for the bill. So, But that's just partisanship. That's not that un- uncommon. That oh, was and, that was pure politics. That move, yeah, yeah. And, and meanwhile, go ahead. I just wanted to say that the, it was a Lancet study based oh, on Lancet. research done by the World Health Organization and Imperial College London. So, if you want to check Thank that out, Lancet Lancet is the version, the British version of the JAMA, the Journal of American, American Medicine, Medi- yeah, yeah, Medical yeah. Association. So, yeah, it's yeah. A, Lancet's a kind of a big deal over there. It is a big deal. It's a very respected. And big that's deal. where they, uh, you know, did the study. We have right. higher child and maternal mortality rates than any other developed country yeah. in the world. We're number one. Yeah. We. Oh, wait. So, uh, <laughs> wait. And then, uh, but meanwhile, if you were wondering whether or not that was having any effect, uh, what, of course, always leaks out, right? The stuff that comes out of that, uh, that 13 senators is that they can't come up with a health care bill that they can get through. You know how she said, just get 50 Republicans and have the Mike Pence break the tie. They can't get something that 50 Republicans will pass because when they made it, uh, if they make it too moderate, they lose Rand Paul, Mike Lee of Utah. They lose some of the hardcores who want the Medicaid gone in two years when they tried to extend the dissolving of Medicaid over 10 years. That satisfied the moderates but killed the extreme. They can't even get a majority of their own Republicans right now and they're running, the, And they're running the show. And they're running the show without <laughs> any input from Democrats, without any input from Democrats, and they still can't come to a consensus. Figure that one out. So. But I'm sure they'll blame the Democrats. They, they already are. They uh, just might do that. They already are blaming the so Democrats. So what is Rand Paul's motivation like? He's a nine Rand guy. Zero health care for anyone ever. I mean, you come out of the uh, vagina and you're just on your own. He's Absolutely. an individualist. I yeah. mean, why even teach the kid how to learn to walk? Just leave it there. Yeah. Well, remember, he's he's very consistent about that kind of individualism, which is why he was against the Civil Rights Act, too, because he thinks individuals should, should decide so, whether or not they can discriminate. So no public schools. No, he wouldn't have those either, I suppose. No uh no streets. Well you'd have to No electricity, no sewer system. No fire <laughs> department, yeah. no, no fire department. department. I have to ask him, but uh <laughs> So coming up, uh, Joe Biden does uh, try to love thy enemy and Megan Kelly uh, is losing advertisers for a show that hasn't even started yet. So we want to talk about that. This is Jeff's world. I see you thinking twice with 
Welcome to Jeff's World and being part of our ever-growing population. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, before I, we jump into the Megyn Kelly thing, I, <laughs> I did wanted to throw a <laughs> a couple more uh, a good newsy things. Um, oh, oh, good. We need some good news. We do. Uh, Joe Biden, it was kind of fun. He was at a Mitt Romney's Ideas Summit oh. uh, in Park City, Utah. How uninspiring. On Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so unfair. All right. I like Mitt Romney. He just oh, had binders God. full of women and didn't think 47% of the nation was any good. But otherwise, uh, I think he meant well. But anyway, the, the nice oh, thing about dude. it. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, he's no Jason Chaffetz. When you talk about Utah, you got Orrin Hatch, Jason Chaffetz, Mitt Romney. Who are you going to pick? Mitt Romney. Oh, Every time. Okay. I didn't well, say it was an easy decision. <laughs> Here's a milkshake flavored with arsenic. Third Here's party. a cocktail flavored with broken glass. Here's a shot glass full of battery acid. Enjoy, everybody. It's happy hour. Uh, I, I'm going to be sober. So Me I quit too. Drinking. Me too. Joe Biden was at this, uh, <laughs> the Mitt Romney uh, Business Ideas Summit, the Romney's Ideas Summit. And uh, he said in front of the crowd, he spoke to him and he said he called Mitt Romney a man of integrity. And said that he should, <laughs> yeah. And stop remember, it! Wait, wait, wait! I'm just sorry. Stop it! Wait, remember when Romney was governor of Massachusetts, and he had this idea that he got from the Heritage Foundation because it's a completely Republican idea. Obamacare. It was called Romney Care at the time. But then remember when he ran for president, he denied having I you know, know. and he's because that's that's integrity with a capital I. Go ahead, make yeah. your point. No, you. You, you made the point. Um, <laughs> wow. But uh, Joe Biden said to to the crowd. You want a minute there, Stein? <laughs> he called him a man of integrity and said, by the way, Uh-oh. you should run for Senate. And the crowd, of course, you know, applauded and thought it was great. And it was this actually very sweet moment of just collegial. But, okay. of course, there's so, an ulterior motive. Because he'd take out Chaffetz, right? No, uh, Senate, uh, Orrin Hatch. you take it out He's Orrin trying Hatch. to get Orrin Hatch, who, uh, as you just noticed minutes ago, was ignoring Claire McCaskill and listening to his aide rather than uh, speaking from his own heart in the Senate. So uh, there, uh, so there's a little ulterior motive of Joe Biden wanting to see Orrin Hatch replaced with Mitt Romney, and I certainly couldn't argue with that. And I would say to you, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, rather than just being super anti-other party, try to encourage the better ones in the better party. But yeah. I don't know who they are. Well, that's, you have to look. <laughs> it's true. I like, can't I would, find them. I would give money to David Jolly if he ran again, for instance, uh, in Florida. And if you don't know who he is, look it up, J-O-L-L-E-Y. And uh, he's the guy that also exposed all the corruption, all the dial of dollars. He was, you know, and he's been very reasonable. Yeah, I've seen him. I don't agree with everything he says. No. He's got some conservative ideas that I I don't think are quite conservative in the way that I understood them. Right. But but otherwise, he's a good man of integrity and seems like a nice guy and trying to to do some good. He also seems like he's... uh He's got a decent amount of smarts. He doesn't yes. seem like a, a complete ideologue, which is nice. Second good news. Yes. Uh, Senator Grassley, Chuck Grassley of <laughs> Iowa, you know, who orchestrated the Gorsuch takeover, all this stuff. Done a lot of stuff that you could be mad about. But when, but when President Donald... In, when President Donald Trump said that he wasn't going to listen to Democratic requests on various committees, like the Intelligence Committee and whatever they're trying to, to fall, solve all these different problems, judiciary, he told them in a letter, a scathing letter, it was really was it was unequivocal, saying, no, 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 no. You respond to those requests, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. And I was like, 
Wow. You went back to the kind of that. That's why Claire McCaskill was endowing General Chuck Grassley. You believe in these institutions. Right. You demanded Donald Trump respond to the senators, no matter which senator it was. And that was extremely encouraging, I yeah, thought. Man, yeah, it's a lot of cover your own ass because they know in four years when somebody else comes in, they're yes. going to want to get hurt. That's why you follow the rules so right. they apply to you. Yeah. When you are on the other side of them. Um, right? Yeah. yeah. And so and the third one was John McCain, who, again, we've talked about. He's kind of, you know, he goes different places. But, <laughs> right? Uh, they asked him on The Guardian, you know, which is a British paper. They said. Uh, is this post-Comey or pre-Comey? No, this, this is post-Comey. Okay. But it didn't have to do with Comey. They were asking him about. No, I know. I'm just. No, I understand. It's it's important. Context and timing. It's like comedy. Uh, the They were asking about American leadership. And he said, and they said, do you think that uh, Obama's foreign policy how did, was better standing in the world than Trump's? And he said, as far as American leadership is concerned, yes. Wow, this is the guy who called the president feckless at least a dozen times, yeah, I can recall. And he does standard partisan stuff where he was attacking Obama, saying everything was feckless and weak and whatever. But he's still smart enough to go, well, if you're asking me to compare Donald Trump and Obama, there's no comparison. Well, yeah, it's apples and orange, guys. <laughs> oh, that's why I love Jeff Hendricks. So, because <laughs> he can say it, and I don't need to say it. Um <laughs> but uh, the other topic of Megan Kelly and Alex Jones, she's premiering her show soon, I think Thursday. And one of the guests, I think it's right out of the gate, is Alex Jones. And if you're not familiar, Infowars.com. Oh, this is a guy who, which you'll hear in the clip again, uh, has made some extremely unpopular conspiracy theories, uh, for whether you believe them or not, including that not only that uh, 9-11 was an inside job, but he very much believes that he used to believe. Now he's walked it back. But he believed that the Bushies and Cheney, they orchestrated, they worked with the Saudis and let the attack go and knew it was going to happen and were waiting for it so they can have a pretense for war. He scaled down that a little bit. And, of course, my two co-hosts are nodding. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) If you can explain to me why the only aircrafts the next day that are allowed to fly were all carrying Saudi royal family, I'll shut up about it. I know that's that's. You can tell, you can tell yeah. me how WC, uh, you know, WTC seven fell down without anything hitting it. Right. I'll shut up. So that one, as you can see, that's why I say that because for some folks, that's not necessarily a disagreeable controversy. Now, the other one that has pretty unequivocal rejection of is that Sandy Hook was actors and faked, and that kids didn't actually die. That 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 is what makes officially for me, uh, Alex Jones, inhuman scum. Yeah. And as a result of her putting him on, uh, coming up, hasn't even been on yet, uh, Bank America and J.P. Morgan Chase and what other advertiser I can't remember, have already preemptively pulled their advertising. That's that's amazing to me that both Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase have decided to take a moral stand on anything. How about Standing Rock, people? Yeah. And it, but- Let's Go look ahead. for our victories when we can find them. And uh, if you're looking for corporations to have a heart, this is at least a small generation. They don't have a heart. They're not people. But at least those that are running them are saying, you know what? It's inf- it's a good financial incentive not to be sucky towards well, humanity. Inter- it's interesting when both those financial institutions can look to one human being and say, you know what? This guy's such a big scumbag. <laughs> we have to not put money behind him. Yeah. yeah. He makes us look bad. <laughs> So let me give you a little piece of Megyn Kelly's promo. And obviously the male voice you're hearing is Alex Jones of InfoWars. They call you the most paranoid man in America. Is that true? Absolutely not. A paranoid person will be hiding out in their house, not venturing out in public. I go out there on the street and battle Black Lives Matter, the communists at point blank range. We talked controversies, 
and conspiracies. 9-11. Now, 9-11 was an inside job. But when I say inside job, it means criminal elements in our government working with Saudi Arabia and others wanted to frame Iraq for it. Just a fact. Sandy Hook. Well, Sandy Hook's complex because I've had debates where we've devil's advocates said the whole story's true. And then I've had debates where I've said uh, that none of it's true. When you say parents faked their children's death, people get very angry. Yeah, well, let's, oh, I know, but they don't get angry about the half million dead Iraqis from the sanctions, or they don't get angry about all the That's illegal That's a dodge. No, no, it's not a dodge. The media never covers all the evil wars it's promoted, all the that big things. That doesn't excuse what you did and said uh, about Newtown. Uh, uh, you oh, know it. I, here, here's the difference. I looked at all the angles of Newtown. I. And I made my statements long before the media even picked up on it. We didn't get any of the really important stuff. What do you mean? We talked about all the important stuff. Well, here's the big one they always make fun of me. You probably want to throw this in there. 30 years ago, they began creating animal-human hybrids. Isn't that the big story Megyn Kelly should be doing? So first of all, whenever you hear somebody go, I, I, narcissist. Um, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. But, Suddenly, is the United States in some covert island of Dr. Moreau festival now where we're creating apparently. human-animal hybrids? He's not talking about the fact that in some labs we're growing, say, a liver off of a white mouse, or we've uh, we put enough stem cells and you've grown a human ear on the back of a mouse. That's just one step away in the conspiracyist manual of being complete human hybrids. Oh, now you've got clones. Boom, one step. You got it. You don't have to go. Oh. You don't have to go through Kevin Bacon to get there. You know, we're, wait, you're there. Well, we're, wait, we're cloning Kevin Bacon on we the back are. of a mouse on the back of a pig. It's on bacon. the back of a pig, bacon. It's, it's, it's bacon. bacon. Right. Got it. Okay. God, jeepers. Jeez. I'm sorry. I'm Where just... you mess up your conspiracy theories? I'm mouse? an bacon? idiot. Nobody has bacon in mouse. Nobody would believe that. Yeah, I'm that's an idiot. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, in addition to the comedy of Alex Jones. And he, he even refers to himself. He said this before, and people hold, hung him around his neck. He called himself a performance artist once, and ever since Twitter has used well, it against him. The reason he called himself a performance artist was in an attempt to get his kids during that horrible divorce he was having. Right. Because he was trying to soften it in the court size. Like, I'm just a performance artist. That way they won't make him seem like a hate monger, which is much worse, obviously. So the question I put to you, which yeah. is the real debate. Okay. When... Do you give voice? When do you not give voice? We've talked about Bill Maher putting on Ann Coulter or Yiannopoulos, Milo Yiannopoulos. And- well, Bill Maher hasn't just put her on. He made her. She yeah. she was nobody until... Politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. Right. And he had her and as a regular... many others. Yeah. Well... Christine... Christine O'Donnell. Christine O'Donnell. I am uh, not a witch, witch O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Yeah. yeah. Um... Milo, yippee, there's a penis, whatever his name is. <laughs> yippee, uh, there's a penis. It's <laughs> the best conjugation I've heard yet. But I don't know. I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Because this is, the go- this is an incredibly to- important debate, in my opinion. Um, what are your thoughts, Stein? How close are we? Like, where's, where's the line between investigate and enable? Right. That was the wording, almost the wording I was going to use. And it's, right. it, it, it's when does it, because, if, you know, it's, this, is, this is a consciousness-based universe, brings world. You don't. You can't not think of an elephant, as they say. Right. right. If you think of an elephant, an elephant's the topic. And so we put on Alex Jones and we legitimize him. Well, then no matter how much... Now, I think making Kelly's argument so far has been, well, I'm going to take him down. 
No, she's gonna she's okay. gonna take him. She's gonna take him for ratings. Is what she's gonna do. She's not gonna take him. All down. it does is inflate it, right? right. Because right. if you're already a fan, you're gonna watch Megyn Kelly's quote unquote takedown and not see it as a takedown. Right. You'll see it as Alex totally got her. Yeah. Right. No matter what he does, no matter what she does, they're right. gonna say that, right? right? And then the other side is if we already hate Alex Jones, let's just say, uh, seeing him is only gonna reinforce it. So right. all it does so is inflate your, Alex Jones. Your time to promote, you know what you think would be for the highest good, like Bernie yeah. Sanders. So Right. So to <laughs> me, uh, what the real illness is, and it goes back to one I'm going to say a million times in the show, and I probably have before, is that we've associated our life with survival and profit. Everything goes through that lens, right? And so Megan Kelly is unfortunately looking at it as like, well, you know, this is a profit-based scenario. I want to get as much attention as I can. Because if she was for something instead of just being for uh, throwing a f- torch on something... Uh, she would try to find that interview. Like we were uh, impressed with um, Soledad O'Brien, who was kind of, we had her on the show, you remember? And she was kind of going out of the arena and finding like a random mayor of some town who was doing something that you just wouldn't dream of. It's such a brilliant, amazing idea. And I think I found it to be captivating television. Uh, But you have to have TV producers and you have to have TV talent who believe in more than the basic monkey mind vile idea of let's just slap our viewers and watch them scream. Okay, but speaking of monkey mind, so even in politics, right, negative campaigning, why do do they engage in negative campaigning? Because it works. Because our primitive brains are still designed to pay more attention to danger than it is to whatever, uh, pleasure, let's say. So, like, danger and love and you know that's and so when we hear scary things you know tune in five o'clock right die you'll die uh, it's like wait wait what what what's that i've got to tune in at five o'clock and if it's like you know tune in at five o'clock and you'll improve it's like "Mm, maybe (laughs) so how do we how do we overcome that yeah i mean that's well, we we need we yeah we need to make the good things sound as appealing or as engaging as ten things in your refrigerator that will kill you tonight at eleven, like, and it is uh, what yeah it's a combined effort because yeah. obviously it is like you just pointed out Erica very dominant in our in our belief system that something fear based requires more attention than something love based well it's just the way we are or inspired based and that goes back to something you've mentioned I don't know how many times Jeff is uh, tribalism. And yep. I think I think those two are completely interconnected, the primitive, primal fear brain and tribalism, because yeah. you're going to hang out with people that you think have your back and will will help you survive until the next day. <laughs> and yeah. we haven't been non-tribal longer than we've been tribal. Yeah, we've only been civilized for a couple thousand years. This is why I call this the greatest social, political, economic, spiritual, de- technological renaissance in the history of mankind, because we're now. Finally, in a larger percentage than ever of our society, examining those possibilities. That well, maybe this is a belief system issue rather than a structural issue or a punishment issue or a crime issue. Or, or a divine issue. Or a divine issue. Well, yeah, no, no. I, I, I mean, I'm spiritual. The divinity part of it is you have to believe in something larger than you. Uh, or else then if you think you're truly just a piece of meat uh, in, a, in a survival world, that won't help you either. You have to feel a connection to yourself and to each other. Well, in yeah, some form. The, the, spiritual Whatever part, is the spiritual part of it is that we're one tribe. Yeah, there's your spiritual part. That's fine. That's your spiritual. That's your spiritual part, that there, there are no divisions. We're all people. We're all the creator's children, if you want to yeah. go on that route. Well, and you can be science-based. It can be religious-based. It right. doesn't really you know, matter which way you look at it. 
right? Right. Uh, because kindness, <laughs> you know, is is going to be the difference um, until you realize that's you know it's like that I was saying before. Every one of these moments where the pain became unbearable and fear inspired the anger and revenge caused too many of us to believe that punching our fellow man was the only option for relief. But every one of those instances resulted in massive growth, massive examinations leading to massive lasting betterment for the common good. Wait, so are you telling me it's not cool to punch Nazis? <laughs> it's not. Oh, and until man. the uh, yeah. You know, and the, they like punching us. They do, and, and they do. So the the, the idea is, I mean, right. we got to we, we're coming up. We're going to do some more of this. But um, rules and laws, which we love, or democracy geeks in this room, are supposed to basically bridge us. They're designed to limit cruelty until kindness is realized as the no brainer of existence. You know what I mean? Until we have a dominant belief in our society right. that kindness works. We, if you say that, you say, well, kindness, of course kindness works and, and decency and whatever. We all believe it inherently, but it's not actually dominant in our belief system. And so we still need rules to well, correct cruelty. And I would just ask those listeners to try and experiment or even think back. You know, remember the last time uh, you said something mean to someone? Yeah. And, you know, in the moment, you know, was your adrenaline pumping and it was like, oh, yeah, I told him or I told her. Now... How did you feel 10 minutes after that? Yeah. 20 minutes after that? Yeah. An hour after that? Yeah. Most likely, you started to feel bad about yourself. Right. Most likely, you started to feel down. Think back to a time when you were kind to someone. Yeah. And you, whatever it was, you gave them a piece of gum, you gave them a smile. Did you, you ever feel hello. bad about that later? How did you feel <laughs> 10 minutes about that? Yeah. 20 minutes, yeah. an hour. That probably made you feel good about yourself. And think about the person, say you held the door open for somebody and smiled at them. Yeah. And then they, in turn, were really nice to the cashier. And that cashier, in turn, let somebody in traffic. And that person that they let in, in turn did something i mean it's the cumulative ripple effect of yes. one nice act almost cannot be measured exactly in the outer experience but also in your inner experience yeah. and when you or you know i'll talk about myself when i engage in behavior that is mean eventually and very shortly afterwards i don't feel good. It feels like a hangover. Yeah, it's a good word. It does. Yeah. And that can lead to like, you know, almost like a shame spiral going shame down spiral. and down and one. down and down. And when, when we do something kind or when I do something kind, like you said, it has that cumulative exterior effect, but also, you know, that's what I'm like, Oh my gosh, I did this thing and it felt like da da da, and it's like oh you did da, da. like that's what I'm sharing about right. you know and that's and that makes me feel good about myself and, and that and that sharing could in turn inspire the very person that you're sharing it with and then do you remember what was it back in the 90s that was so popular to do random acts of random kindness? acts of kind when that term just started yeah you know that's there's that's a whole thing like, <laughs> it's not just because yeah. it inspires other people. But it changes. It inspires yourself. It changes, you know, the day that you're having. Yeah. changes yeah. your experience it with your children, with it, your spouse, with your neighbors. With It rewires your own head yes. as you do it as well. Yes, yes, yes. Even if you don't believe in the spirituality or the soul no. or the consciousness, it does rewire the synapses in your brain. Isn't right. that enough? That's, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Isn't enough? Isn't that enough, people? 
You know, again, <laughs> kindness is the no-brainer of existence. I don't know. How do we monetize it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a capitalist society. That's right. Survival and profit. That's what we're yes, caught up in. Yes, yes, yes. It's all good for everybody, but what's in it for me? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, let's uh, let's uh, coming up, I want to get into a little bit of pettiness as we talk about these little negative feelings uh, on the topic of uh, Ivanka. Oh, and uh, Oh, I love Ivanka. She's very entertaining. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do the Educating Ivanka, the Billboard Chart of Top Religions and V is for vicious. This is Jeff's world. This is Jeff's world, the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture are seen through the eyes of possibility, purpose, and punchlines. I'm Jeff Stein, Eric Ferriston, Jeff Hendrick. Thank you, Internet Georgette, for uh, getting us up on the Instagram and stuff. So if you're a social media type, in fact, thank you. So many of you uh, apparently either listened or felt sorry for us because you've been on <laughs> um, Facebook a bunch interacting, and and I wish I could get to everyone's angry post because I love them. <laughs> well, not angry, but you know, it's the good banter. It's good, healthy, uh, what about this, what about that kind of dialogue so and i hopefully what you guys said about you know just this this kindness and stuff will create some dialogue too because obviously i love these sorts of discussions and it's all a personal journey and i wish if everybody could know this i wish you could know that because people think if i could be kind they think oh i could be kind that'd be great maybe somebody be kind to me but will it really make a difference i want people to know how much of a difference it makes and i, I wish you could not only understand that it rewires your brain so that everything you see and do will be more framed in kindness but that if you are a spiritually broader person, you will know instantly that thy will be done. Whatever you pray for, believe you have received, and it shall be yours. You will have people and circumstances in your life which will match who you are. And so the kinder you get, you don't have to wait for the rest of the world to get kind. If you get kind, you will have a world that's kind around you, period. That's how it works. And I want people to know that. And the only way to find out that's true is to do it. Because you can't be convinced otherwise. If you're a mixed bag of, of, of cynicism and kindness, you'll get a mixed experience of cynicism and kindness because I will be done. You'll get it every time. Enough proselytizing. Now back to pettiness. Um. <laughs> I start every morning with a big bowl of cynicism toast crunch. <laughs> cynicism toast crunch. That is fantastic. Uh, so, well, Yummy. then you're going to love this uh, next, uh, next topic. <laughs> I, uh, I think I go well. Um, Ivanka. <laughs> And, you know, I don't I wouldn't I can't I normally would not go after, if you will, the first children, the first family. But when you go on the publicity tour for political purposes, then you're in. You're in the game. What you say them official parts of the administration. So it's not the first family. Right. It's not Chelsea Clinton running around playing in the yard. No, they're they're all suited up and in the game. They're all wearing jerseys. So so. yeah, wearing jerseys. Yeah, right. You you get you. you, Welcome to the bigs. Speaking of which, Golden State Warriors. God. Wow. Dang. You don't care. But they won. And also to the Penguins. Pittsburgh, but they are the foot basketball, oh, okay. and, and they are the a champions. Basketball team called Penguins. No, no, that's oh, the hockey team. The hockey they team. beat oh. the Nashville uh, the, uh, Predators. Thank you. And uh, so they, they, they were all at the same time. The playoffs. I wanna, I wanna give a shout out to Music City, to yeah. the town of Nashville, yeah. because it is my understanding that a, a fairly non-hockey town historically they went nuts. They went deliciously, incredibly overboard. Wonderful Southern Nashville. Nuts. God love them. Nuts. Yeah, they, over, they, they, yeah. they, they threw each other in the fryer and just had a good time. They had. It was beautiful. They, they got behind their predators 3,000%. And thank you, Nashville. That's just awesome of you. <laughs> now they have two major teams that have gone to the championships and not won. But hey, you know, it's you better, know what, to, not, better you know, to go than never go. Right? You know who's not crying over that? Cleveland. 
Yeah. You know, because yeah. the Browns have never won a National Football League championship. So. No. Or maybe back in the never? 20s or something? Never. I don't think oh, they ever boy. have. Yeah, that's pretty and even, even back in the days when they had, you know, bad mamma jamma Jim Brown running the ball for him. Right, right. Or in the 90s when they had the dog pound. No. Yeah. No. So there you Sorry. go. A little sports talk with Jeff Hendrick. Um, <laughs> back to petty talk with Ivanka Trump. Very little. She... Uh, <laughs> Was in. They asked her. She was on Fox right. and Friends, nice friendly bubble, and they asked her about her trip to Israel. And so she made some comments that uh, we're going to take apart because we're just mean and petty. So you'll like this. And then to move on to Rome uh-huh. and to meet with the Pope. So to have covered the three largest world religions over the course of four days, um, mm-hmm. it was it was deeply meaningful. So would anyone like to guess where she was wrong in her statement of fact? <laughs> oh, God. Where so what start? she said, just, you know, she was referring to Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, and said to, and her being, and they asked her about representing Judaism, obviously, because she's a converted Jew, and that to, to, she went representing the three, one of the three biggest religions in the world. Uh, Wait a minute. Wait, she was seriously a converted Jew. She went through yes. the classes. For Kushner, thing. yeah, because Kushner's. I don't know for him, but obviously, right. You know, she's married did, to did, Kushner. Did, did the Hindus get upset about this at all? Yeah, because by the way, uh, <laughs> let me give you some numbers because I love facts and yep. numbers. Let's go. With all right, so facts. Uh, Christianity and Islam are indeed the two largest of world religions by far. She yes. got two out of three absolutely correct. Nearly yeah. four billion followers combined of. Christianity and Islam, almost equal to. Oh, that explains the Crusades. Yes. <laughs> now, Judaism has 14 million followers, approximately. Okay, not 4 billion, all right, which trails behind Hinduism, which has over a billion followers, and Buddhism, which has nearly 500, a half a billion followers, and Taoism, Shintoism, and Sikhism also beat Judaism on numbers. So she was off by about six positions, but and again I'm being petty. Uh, but the thing but is, maybe is that when she was in classes, that's what they taught her. That were like, and she she could parse it and say, well, I'm, when I meant the three biggest religions, I meant the three biggest religions represented in in the Middle East. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever. You could parse it, that's but the point is, sentence. is that uh, if you're trying on a tour, yeah, if you're on a tour to try to you know make religious nice. You should probably do a little bit of fact-checking no. and know what you're talking no, about. No, this administration is 100% gluten and fact-free. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while we're on Ivanka, the other thing that she did was the the comment on viciousness. I don't know if you caught this one. You guys are going to really – again, Fox and Friends, right? <laughs> it It is hard, and there's a level of viciousness that I – was not expecting. I was not inspe- expecting the intensity of this experience, but this isn't supposed to be easy. Mm-hmm. My father and this administration intends to be transformative, and we want to do big, bold things, and we're looking to change the status quo. So I didn't expect it to be easy. <laughs> I think um, some of the distractions and, and some of the, uh, the ferocity was, um, I was a little blindsided by on a personal level. But for me, I, I'm trying to keep my head down, not listen to the noise, and, and just work really hard to, to make a, a positive impact right. in the lives of, of many people. Is she referring to uh, her father as the noise? <laughs> I well, don't know, but it makes no? me wonder. You we, you played Donald Trump earlier, yeah. who was like, you know, when my dad talks to you, 
uh, he means what he says and you just do it. I love that no... voice when you do that voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, I've never experienced such. Right. So I'm wondering, okay, did you go to boarding school? Like y- you and your brother seem to have completely different experiences in your own household. Maybe we should play a little bit of Donald and see if you think it's vicious. Is he, is he vicious? Is that the Because Ted Lou, our own local representative who's been kicking butt on Twitter, Dear Ivanka, your father's Muslim ban is pretty damn vicious. Oh. At, right? As is Eric Trump saying Democrats are not people. So please stop your hypocrisy. You know who else? Uh, oh, Ted Lou. Yeah. I know. Loving you, Ben. And, and, and Erica, I know, know him. He's, he's not like your. Confrontational oh guy. He's very no. even keeled, very mellow. Very... I'm telling you, this is like some just... kind of alter personality. Right? He just, when you, to know him before all of this, just a mild mannered. Yeah. Clark Kenty kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wonky all policy right. guy. Yes. All right. yes. Both of you listen up, though. You guys remember what happened when Clark Kent stepped into a phone booth. Damn, Skippy. That's all we're saying. That's what I'm saying. Super Lou. What's underneath that suit, Ted? Yep. Big red S. So maybe uh, <laughs> let, let's see if Ted Lou is right. We'll spin the wheel of uh, Donald Trump statements here. Let's see Do you we'll... believe that you've done Jake anything Tapper. to create a tone where this kind of violence would be encouraged? I hope not. I truly hope not. Knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. Like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. I wanted to hit a couple of those speakers so hard. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I was going to hit one guy in particular, a very little guy. I was going to hit this guy so hard his head would spin. He wouldn't know what the hell happened. If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. But but I certainly do not condone that at all, Jake. (laughs) Okay, I'd like to make a public challenge. Donald J. Trump, take your swing at me, fat boy. (laughs) If you see me in public, 45, take your swing. Have your Secret Service men back off. I will put my chin out there, and you, you fat orange piece of dung, can take the first swing. I'd like, you want you want to put me out on a stretcher, old man? Go for it. Right. He's never going to take you up on that. Of course. <laughs> I know that. You but know, he'll, you know he'll send that. Send his minions. To <laughs> his minions <laughs> with with one eye. I was going to say, you you think Ke- yellow people with you one think eye? Kevin frightens me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I want to put up is uh, for Internet Georgette to send that clip to Ivanka via there social you <laughs> media, right? Because and clearly. The apple does not fall far from the tree because we all see that Trump, you stated it at the beginning of the show, is one of the world's biggest victims. And here is Ivanka playing the victim card. I I didn't expect such vitriol. Um, (laughs) It's like if you've not been hanging out with your dad. (laughs) Yeah. It's surprising to me. I mean, all of like, right, it's all of them. Against me, right? Yeah. And and maybe this will help her empower herself and step out of victimhood <laughs> and stand in her and stand in some girl power. Yeah. 
So let's go overseas when we come back, and because uh, I want to do some more on this and go back to the USSR. Because while the uh, that other country is messing with us and constantly tweaking our electorate, uh, some of the folks there, are Russian folks, are not so happy with Vladimir Putin, and that's uh, going on. So this is Jeff Squirrel. I got this feeling inside my bones. You are breathing the rarefied air of Jeff's world, the place where we uh, look, try to provide a more satisfying perspective on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Ferrison and Jeff Hendrick. And uh, we're in the lightning round of sorts. Going to run through some of the things that uh, were in the news that might have missed. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the antidote for AM Hate Radio, everybody. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Because uh, I'm trying not to be revenge radio, which oh, is what a no. lot of radio has been. We Well, we get we get feisty. On the air here, I'll say that we get feisty, but we—it's usually not acrimonious. Not too much. Not too much. A little bit, but a little bit. But we generally are always trying to find either hope or humor and stuff. So yeah. I think I think that's kind of a nice thing about this show. Here's some hope. Okay. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh-huh. Uh, Russia, 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 Russia. Just <laughs> as, as Hendrik uh, originally uh, quoted, uh, they had a, just a ma- June twelfth, a massive bunch of protests in 180 cities across that uh, 11 time zone country of theirs, and um, obviously protesting Putin and corruption in politics. During which they uh, Putin conveniently arrested his chief opposition activist Alexei Navalny. <laughs> who is running against him, of course. And one of the funny things about Russian laws... I'm curious, what, what was he arrested for? Illegal protest, which led to a 30-day jail sentence. Since, hello. And wow. they have some funny little Russian laws, uh, convenient Russian laws, and, and I mean, I mean, I quoted <laughs> exactly right, where if you pass a certain threshold of a felony, they have different terms, uh, or a certain amount of jail sentence, you are no longer eligible to run for president. So they're kind of hoping to accumulate enough of a arrest record on the uh, on the dissidents that they can't even run for president. Oh Just, man! Right, and you arrest them, so they can't. Anyway, so we'll see how that goes. Ugh. There's such similarities between there and here. Well, one of the things that the Russians are doing that the uh, black folks did in the civil rights union uh, movement is is they said, well, wait a minute. They can't arrest all of us. Right. Right. Because then they just put us all in jail. They'd have to arrest us in our own houses or something. So uh, 900 arrests in St. Petersburg, 750 in Moscow. It's going to clog the court system. It's going to bog yeah. it right up, man. And what court system? Right. Well, <laughs> And and one of the other big differences is in this one when if you for those of you again old enough to remember that when they protested the Soviet Union which led to the collapse back in you know nineties eighties nineteen ninety one um, it was almost it wasn't young people that were protesting it was mostly kind of middle aged and older folks who were sick of communism well this time young people are involved there's a massive youth movement yeah. which is not only one of the reasons it's a big deal is because it's creating a generation that's saying eh-eh. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the ones who are already old enough to go yeah this is not work we don't want communism back All right. you know KGB no. Uh-uh. Oh, I've seen this movie. Right. It doesn't end well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I was listening the other day and and to an interview with some guy in Russia who has a blog where he's exposing propaganda. Yeah, and nice. they played a clip where uh, their newscasters uh, were showing Rex Tillerson, who's oh. usually a friend of Russia, um, but when... He said it was wrong that he he ended up testifying saying it was wrong that Russia went into Crimea and he and this young man who runs this blog says, you know, because I'm listening to this on the radio. He says, you can you know, you see 
the newscasters just are stunned for about two seconds. Right. And then he says, and it takes them just that short of a time to start the propaganda machine, which is, well, he had to say that to right. get through the proceedings right. in order to blah, blah, blah. But he's a friend of Putin, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, be aware of that happening here. Yeah. My dad used to say, at least in, in communist Russia, the people, they knew that if they took their newspaper, stood on their head, put their right foot slightly over to the left and cocked their eyebrow, they would find the truth. Right. <laughs> Whereas here, we just think what we read or hear on the news yeah. can be taken you know, for the truth. And, and we really need to research. And one last thing, Lee Camp, I don't know if you're familiar oh, with Oh, yeah, baby. He's got a show called Redacted Tonight. It's a great um, he, show. He just did a he just did a piece on on propaganda here. Mm. So anyway, nice. So there's a good another so good that's, news. That's the good news. We're waking. Young awareness. people are awakening up, just like our tea parties. Possibly our older people are waking up because our yeah. young people are awake, um, and they're getting active. It's it's yeah. keeping them engaged. And one of the most fun lines is because the of distance. the. Close out the Russia thing is I, I was watching a, a Russian ambassador, the previous one, because they don't have, I don't think they've even assigned one yet uh, in the Trump administration. There's seventy nine percent of the State Department is still unstaffed. Seventy nine percent of the of the positions that are staffed by a president are still unstaffed. But uh, the previous one said they asked him the question, you know, what do you think the odds are this right. uh, this protest working? And he said, well. Uh, before they happen, they seem impossible. Revolutions. He's talking about revolutions. Before they happen, they seem impossible. After they happen, they seemed inevitable. Mm, you know, because mm-hmm. he says that you just don't know. All of a sudden, one goes. The Arab Spring. We didn't totally see it coming. Then all of a sudden, kick. You know, there's enough critical mass. Nina Turner has a great line where she says, "It always seems impossible until it is done." Yeah. It's very true. So the other one, the uh, again, a ban appeal, uh, Donald Trump slipping on his ban appeal. It was shot down again. Uh, Yeah. Again, here's one of the lawyers uh, for this arguing against the government, obviously, uh, against the travel ban. The government has not engaged in mass dragnet uh, exclusions, you know, in, in the past, you know, 50 years. This is something new and unusual in which you're saying this whole class of people, some of which are dangerous, we can bar them all. Yeah, just bar them all. And again, the reason it failed primarily is because Donald Trump kept tweeting what the ban was really for. Right. It's a religious ban. Now, I have a question uh, regarding bans and people committing violence. Uh, since Donald Trump has been president, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Most of the attacks have been carrying out by white Christian males. Is that correct? <laughs> there hasn't been a uh, on this soil yet since. In uh, fact, we're at the one-year anniversary of the Pulse uh, nightclub shooting, by the way. That was the one right. thing that's amazing. It's been a year. Yeah. So Orlando. are we, are we not banning white Christian males? Well, no. Why not? Because. That's not an those answer. Are when, when a white Christian male kills a doctor and people in waiting room... That is a lone wolf, you see. Ah. But if it is a person of color... It's a religious problem. (laughs) That is, you know... Muslim. A Muslim problem, an African-American problem. But yeah, otherwise it's just a lone wolf, an outlier. All right, right, okay, that's fine. Then then I can rephrase my question. 
Are we banning lone wolves? <laughs> well, you're going to love this. I, I was uh, looking at some no. of the the, uh, the the no the protests of the Muslim ban because obviously there's protests all the time, you know, especially on Capitol Hill. And one of the signs, God bless them, they had a quote, a passage from Leviticus chapters 19, 33, 34. Listen to this quote: When a foreigner lives among you, do not mistreat them. Love them as yourself. In the Bible, y'all. In yeah, but that's Levitical. That's Leviticus. We get to pick and choose from that like a buffet <laughs> table, okay? It's hate the gays, love the tattoos. Hate everybody else, wear the blended fabrics. Hate gays, eat lobster. Come on, everybody. It's a buffet. Pick what you want. <laughs> so uh, another story that came out, there was a little bit of a, a trolling action. Uh, Chuck Schumer trolled the president. Brilliantly. What happened was oh President God. Donald Trump held his first cabinet meeting. And this is what it sounded like. Now, yeah, we're going to play a little bit of it. This is June, first cabinet meeting. He's oh, because the Democrats wouldn't let him confirm his people. Nope, Democrats have no vote. They cannot block. They cannot block a cabinet appointment. There is no filibuster of cabinet appointments. There's nothing. If the Republicans have a majority, it's simply, we said before, I keep saying this because the lie keeps getting repeated, Donald Trump has not been putting up candidates. He finally has them. He has his cabinet. He has the meeting. And after all the Comey testifying about loyalty being demanded, this had a particularly stinky feel when he started talking. Maybe start with Mike and we'll just go around and just, you name your position and then we'll ask these folks to uh, go back and have a good day and we're going to discuss our various reports. Mike? Thank you, Mr. President. And uh, just the greatest privilege of my life is to serve as, as vice president to a president who's keeping his word to the American people and assembling a team that's bringing real change, real prosperity, real strength back to our nation. Thank you, Mike. Um, Mr. President, it's great to Jeff be here and celebrate this group. Uh, we are receiving, as you know, support with law enforcement all over America. Yeah. They have been very frustrated. Uh, they are so thrilled that we have a new uh, idea that we're going to support them and work together to properly, lawfully uh, fight the rising crime that we're seeing. Yeah. And, uh, it's an honor it's, to be and it's able to serve you honor. in that regard. You set the exact right message, and it's being responded. The response is fabulous around the country. Great success, including MS-13. They're being thrown out in record numbers and rapidly. No, we're not. And uh, no. they're being depleted. They'll all be gone pretty soon. So you're right, Jeff. Thank you very much. On behalf of the entire senior staff, Mr. President, we thank you for the opportunity and the blessing that you've given us to serve your agenda and the American people. And we're continuing to work very hard every day to accomplish those goals. So. And may the fourth Reich reign forever! And I tell you, it sounded right. so much like North Korea. And you say, <laughs> come on, Jeff, don't be a jerk partisan. You know, they're just being praised in the president. What's wrong with that? They, they would praise Obama. Here's the difference. <laughs> uh, when they called him boy. <laughs> ouch, ouch. No, no, we're talking about his cabinet. Um, obviously, there are moments in, in the Obama presidency God, I where, you. I know, where cabinet members would, uh, would uh, you know, praise Obama and, and overtly or whatever. But 
no one's ever seen this kind of thing. An opening cabinet meeting and just this round robin. Only one person, Mad Dog Mattis, was the only cabinet secretary who didn't do some sort of overt praise to Donald Trump. All he said is, "I thanks for the honor to be able to serve the American people. I look forward to serving the armed services. I'm going to make sure the armed services are good. He did this thing for the armed services because that's what he represents, right? But everybody else... <laughs> completely sucked up. And then not just that they sucked up, the other part that got me is that you saw Jeff Sessions, you heard these guys, MS-13, they not only said, you're great, Donald Trump, you're the best thing ever, they affirmed his fantasies. Right. That, first of all, it is empirically and factually incorrect that law enforcement likes, as a majority is speaking, Jeff Sessions' draconian. There has been so much outrage from the law enforcement community about reinstituting mandatory minimum minimums, going after marijuana convictions. This has been resoundly objected to by the vast majority of law enforcement. Again, you pick the, if you can cherry pick a handful, it's like climate science, right? Like 98 scientists disagree, but we're going to pay attention to the two that don't or agree. That, but you got, the, you got the point. And <laughs> on top of all, anyway, it, it, it's icky and it's sad, but it's obviously a demonstration of loyalty. And then Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, uh, Amy Schumer, if you're a comedian lover, comedy lover, Amy Schumer's uncle. Uh, it's funny, I used to Google Schumer and it'd always be Chuck, but now, of course, it's Amy. Amy. Chuck doesn't even come up like third, tenth response, right? So he decided to get with his staff and do a little parody. I want to thank everybody for coming. I just thought we'd go around the room. Lucy, how'd we do on the Sunday show yesterday? Your tone was perfect. You were right on message. Michelle, how'd my hair look coming out of the gym this morning? You have great hair. Nobody has better you hair know, than before you. Before we go any further, I just want to say thank you <laughs> for the opportunity and blessing to serve your agenda. <laughs> you can barely hear it, but Chuck goes, that's great. He's like, he's just, he can't, he can't leave. He couldn't what hold it. What is so great about that is... Uh, uh, Jeff Stein and I, we have worked with uh, staffs. Oh, yeah. Legislative staffs. And we've seen those personalities yeah. and the fun and the playfulness yeah. and the humor. So we know that they were having a good time yeah. with their boss. Yeah, workplace environments parody. can be very bondy. But I'll tell you, on political workplace environments, wow, Eric and I can tell you, it's it's. Wow, they really because they go through some. They have to, you know, it's kind of warlike. I mean, it's not yeah. soldier comparison. Obviously, that's you're blood and fire. guts. But you definitely have to bond as you're, uh, you know, assaulted by angry people yes. a lot <laughs> all day long. Quick tangent. I know yeah, you please. hate them, Jeff Stein. I love them. Um, when you said warlike, <laughs> it reminded me the Brad Pitt movie that's out, War Machine. Oh yeah. Oh my God, have you seen it? No, but I'm hearing oh, great things. I really want to watch encourage it. everyone to go see it. It's I, it's a comedy. But it's got a great message. Cool. If you liked The Big Short, oh, there you go. That's it's right. the Big Short of War, yeah, and it explains exactly why we're in the absolute cluster, you know what, quagmire that we are in the Middle East. Yeah, and it's it's amazing, and it's based on uh, Mike McChrystal, General oh. Mike McChrystal, yeah. and his misadventures in Afghanistan, yes. and the big Rolling Stone interview that blew up the whole thing. Right, and. It's a peek behind the camouflage curtain. It's well worth watching. Yeah, and I just want to say I love Brad Pitt for you know just being so damn cute. Well, there's always that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm we don't saying. even have to articulate. We can just that. stop right there. <laughs> just take but your shirt off. Get no, going. Th- so I love this channel called Link TV, channel yeah. 375 on Directv. And Brad Pitt narrates a lot of the environmental uh, you know, sure. or Leonardo documentaries. DiCaprio. 
Um, anyway, but it's just the fact that Brad Pitt would, you know, puts his celebrity behind, yeah. uh, you know, such good projects like this that go far beyond entertainment. Yeah. And his portrayal of this particular character, um, they they changed his name to McMahon. Yeah. But uh, also, huge shout out to the small but incredibly amazing role that Meg Tilly plays as his wife. Barely recognized her, first of all. She's got really short hair and just doesn't look at all like she did in the big chill uh was so that a good thing or a bad thing it's a thing it just it's it's a should, thing. but her performance as his wife and their sort of very strange strange relationship <laughs> is kind of amazing to watch so it's uh yeah again uh, war machine on netflix the final two things in the in the lightning round Theresa may uh, we were following that in brexit or not brexit but in the uk elections she yeah. was we talked about it last uh, show and she's very damaged well she is kind of allying with the irish and if we we want to make a point again to remind oh, you that, that these particular irish group the democratic unionist party are the ones who again uh kind of the, the i want to say directly the bombing people but they're the ones that are super anti-gay super anti-abortion and super anti-everything in that sense hard hard hardcore hardcore conservative hard hard very hard <laughs> it's us in the church what is there else to know so we'll keep you posted on, on that and the last thing i wanted to get you guys your opinion on this there was a uh, story of some parents who are mad because as in the yearbook and you guys can see the picture uh, 17 year old grant berardo uh, wore a Trump Make America Great shirt uh, in for his yearbook photo, and the uh, township, the Wall Township High School of Central New Jersey. And even though the law, rules say you can only, you can't have T-shirts say drugs, alcohol, or violence, <laughs> maybe this fits under the violence category. But it's right. Trump Make America Great again. As you can see, they photoshopped his T-shirt clean. And that's controversy. What do you think? Do you think that's appropriate? Look, if they're asking black girls to cut their hair. Because it makes other white people uncomfortable, screw him in his T-shirt. Okay, so side issue aside. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, what? But there you go. Do you, I mean? I mean, my first thought is. Um, he says he I just think, wanted to memorialize what was going on in the country at the time. Says the kid, his father. Believe- well, I, I, my first reaction when I saw it is that whoever made the decision to uh, what do you call it, airbrush it out? Yeah. Um, is probably somebody older and wiser <laughs> and realize that while this young, undeveloped brain might think that is cool right now, yeah. maybe not so much 10 years from now, 15 years yeah. from now, and yeah. instead of it being immoral, what do you call it? Memorialized. Memorialized. Yes. Um, where this kid is stuck in this box yeah. forever and in the age of social media, although now he is. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was my, it's like some kind, old, I think doing wise soul yeah. was trying to actually protect this kid, even though this kid, you know, may not see it that way, but the, the future kid, the future adult, yeah. but yeah. apparently his parents are hardcore Trump supporters if, and if, don't see it that way. If somebody had been able to go back to my senior portrait and airbrush <laughs> my horrible haircut. Yeah, that would have been nice. I, that would have been too. nice. Yeah. yeah, I'd appreciate so. that one. And the long collars. But, what, uh, yeah. what, I need, but then on the other hand. No collar. Oh, you, uh, yeah, yeah, talk to me. Oh boy! Yeah. So, what do you think, Jeff Stein? No, I agree with you on that sense. I think they were trying to do him a favor because uh, the context may not appreciate it later. But hey, it's like a time capsule. You could open it later and go, "Wow, what was I thinking?" Look. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe Trump will just be the best president ever. Who knows? Maybe this kid's going to look back at this and think, "You know, that T-shirt and my prehensile tail are the two things I miss the most." Yeah. 
So the only thing we missed, uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Facebook, Instagram, Jeff's World Show, Twitter, Jeff's World Show. Please join us on there. We'd love to have you part of the conversation. And um, the only thing we missed was the emoluments clauses, which have been sued in Maryland and D.C. They're suing the Trump administration for violating the emoluments clause, meaning taking money from foreign governments, because the, as, the, as the Trump Hotel right there in D.C. Uh, gives has given already hundreds of, taken the hundreds of thousands of dollars in business from Saudis even, let alone other people, which they would have killed Obama for. But it's uh, totally rad for Trump to do it. Anyway, we'll catch up on that when that story evolves because it will be an evolving story. Lawsuits take forever. I'm Making Jeff Stein. America great again. There you yeah. go. That's Erica Ferriston. That's Jeff Hendrick. Thank you for listening to Jeff's World. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.